Hello and welcome to the Legacy Church Sermons Podcast. At Legacy Church, we help people find their identity in Jesus and their place in His mission to impact the world through the gospel. We ask that you grab your Bibles, listen up, and we hope that you hear a great word from the Lord today. Today, I wanted to look at a proverb that was about the relationship between parents and children and was trying to decide where I would go. And I started thumbing through different proverbs and there was, you know, Proverbs 22, 6, which says, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Which is good, because I, I used to think it said, and he will not depart from you. And I was like, no, I, I, I want them to go eventually, but it's depart from that training. Proverbs 19, 18 is another good one. It said, discipline your children while there's hope, otherwise you will ruin their lives. So parents, fight the good fight there. It's a good one. But I kept looking. Uh, maybe you've heard this one. Silence is golden unless you have kids, then silence is suspicious. <laughs> Somebody look up Proverbs 37. I think that's where that is. Um, here's another one. 90% of parenting is just thinking about when you can lie down again. That's true. I'll give you one more. And this one, this one I love. This one, maybe no truer proverb ever spoken. Parenting is a lot like the bar scene. Everyone is yelling, everything is sticky, it's the same music over and over again, and occasionally someone throws up. <laughs> and all the people who know said, amen, <laughs> right? So I was thumbing through all of these, and really as I was praying and, and seeking the Lord's direction for today, I found myself drawn to a proverb that probably is more convicting than any other in my life as a parent, but it's not one that's about parenting. It's just one about relationships and the way we speak with one another. And it's Proverbs 18.21. I want you to, to grab your Bible and take a look at Proverbs 18.21. If you are a parent, you better listen. This is vital. But everyone should listen. This is a vital word for us. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's a heavy one. And it's a powerful one this morning. In fact, it's so short. I want you to memorize it. We'll say it together a couple of times. Can you do that with me? Yeah, you can do that. Ready? One, two, three. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You do it again, you'll have it memorized, okay? One, two, three. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. See, you knew it. Can you turn the screen off? We'll see if we can do it without the screen. You got me, Marshall? Ready? One, two, three. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You memorized that Bible verse. Congratulations. You did a good job. Now, I'm going to treat this a little differently today because it is poignant and it is powerful, but I want to unpack the, the real power within this proverb so that we can understand it. I, I know this, there's probably more conviction in my life as I get older over the way I use words than almost any other thing in my life. The way I use words in every relationship that I have, I felt a lot of conviction in this in my parenting. And it's maybe a surprise to us when we begin to realize the kind of gravity that our words have because for the first quarter of our life people tell us our words don't matter. I don't know if you felt like that but as I was a kid I felt like people said you're a kid what you think and what you say doesn't matter that much and people kept telling you shh right all the time and your words did matter when you were young they matter at every age they have power it doesn't say old people or wise people or smart people or powerful people have words that have death and life in the power of the tongue but it says for all people death and life are in the power of the tongue but it does surprise you after years and years of people dismissing your words to find out your words have a lot of gravity something happens you grow up and you begin to realize that your words are shaping the way other people view themselves 
and the way they view the world and the way even they, they view God is shaped by the way that you use words. And it, it's uncanny how powerful that comes to you when you become a parent and you realize someone who has really no other forming or voice at all, everything they think is being shaped by what you say in and, and out of, of every day. But that happens with the people that you work with. It happens with the people that you interact with. The way you use words is shaping people's worldviews. Think about this. Think about how some of the greatest memories of your entire life are partnered with words of encouragement, words of kindness, words of, of edification that have come to you, and those have marked some of the greatest memories of your life. Or think about how, on the other hand, some of the most painful memories of your life are partnered or paired with harsh words and cruel words and critical words that someone has shared with you. Like if there is, we're going to look at a bunch of Proverbs today, but if there's nothing else that you take away, if you're like, I only have like 10 seconds left and I'm going to sleep, Kevin, I want you to remember this thing. It's two words. It's words matter. Words matter in every one of your relationships all day long. The things that you say and don't say, words matter. Here's another proverb, not from the Bible. You've heard it. Sticks and stones will break your bones, but what? Yeah, and that's a, that's a big load of crock, right? That is ridiculous. Sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will absolutely break your heart. They have the power to crush your spirit and to obliterate you in a way that sticks and stones never could. Uh, I, I was looking at a number of studies this week, and you've probably seen these kind of studies. Did you know the average person speaks around 16,000 words a day? A number of studies have said this. There were studies that came out about a decade ago that tried to say that, that women was at 16,000 and men was at like 3,000. But they debunked that and they realized that, that across the board, people speak about 16,000 words a day. Though I'm convinced that 13-year-old daughters and 3-year-olds speak quite a bit more than 16,000 a day, uh, in my experience at least. But this proverb, what it says is that every one of those words count. Every one of those words matter. They have power to them, that they land. They have an effect that the words that you speak to other people will bring either a taste of life or it will bring a taste of death to you and to the people who hear you. That's the experience that people will have when you speak throughout the day. And here's what I, I want us to consider today. It's just one simple thing. I want us to consider how being committed to one thing, to speaking only life-giving words all day long with everyone with whom you speak, how that one thing would radically transform your life, your relationships, and your church. If we were committed to paying attention to the words that come out of our mouth, the expressions that come out of our mouth, the motives behind the words that come out of our mouth, and committing ourselves, devoting ourselves to being a people who pour out life and not death with our tongue. Now, let me start with this kind of an incredible idea. Um, from the Bible, when we read throughout the scriptures, we find when God speaks, things happen. We find that, right? It is powerful. When God speaks, the world changes. When God speaks, life and death are in the power of the tongue, right? Remember Genesis 1, God speaks, and what happens? There's light. And there's dry ground and there's day and there's night and everything that the world is made of and everything that the world is full of, including us, came into being when? When God spoke it into being. And some of you, if you believe in the Big Bang, I do too. God spoke and bang, everything happened suddenly. It's the Big Bang. God speaks and bang, things happen. It happened when Jesus 
God in the flesh comes to earth. He spoke and stuff began to happen. He spoke words and lame men began to walk and lepers were healed. Right? People who were marginalized felt loved. When Jesus spoke, dead men got out of graves when Jesus spoke because when God speaks, things happen. Think about this, how salvation comes when we believe on the words of life. We believe the announcement that Jesus came to earth, God in the flesh, and he did everything for us that could ever be done, that needed to be done, that had to be done, that we would experience salvation, that we would experience a new start, a new life, that we would experience redemption and restoration, that we would experience eternal life with God. Jesus did it all. What do we do? We believe in the announcement. We believe in the words that were spoken that Jesus came and he did all of that for us. And the Bible says when we believe on that, we're given a new life. We're given a new start. We're given a a new heart, the Bible says. A heart of stone is removed and replaced with a, a heart of flesh. When God speaks and we believe his word of promise. Here's the amazing thing. When we speak, because we were made in the image of God, we share in that nature. We too are people who speak and things happen. This is the point. God's words are an incredible expression of his power. They're a conduit. God is ultimate power. And when he speaks, it's a conduit of that power into the world and radical things happen. And when you and I speak as image bearers of God, things happen. So your words matter. And this morning what I want to show you is how uh, we'll find wisdom from the book of Solomon. How when we speak, we can be purposeful and intentional to speak only words of life. We can be a people who speak life into the world and it can radically change the experience of ourselves and those around us in the world. I'm going to give you three, three points this morning, three expressions to help us be a people who are devoted and committed to speaking life-giving words. And, and I'm going to be kind of all over the Proverbs, so you can make note if you want or try to keep up if you want. But the first thing that we have to be committed to, if we're going to be a people who are committed to speaking life, is we have to be committed to speaking the truth to people. Speaking the truth to people. Now, please notice that I said speaking the truth to people, not speaking your truth to people. Do you you see the difference? Do you know the difference? When you Google, should I tell the truth, most of what you find is people should speak their truth. You should definitely share your truth, which means that you should be genuine, you should be authentic, you should just tell people what you think and what you feel about anything and everything going on. And I'm not saying if that's healthy or not healthy, but I am today talking about not spewing your opinions about everything in the world on top of everyone in the world. I'm talking about speaking the truth to people. Listen to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5. It says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Can, can we agree that we can witness, we have experienced that there is lawlessness at work in our world? Yeah, another, word, another way of saying there's brokenness in our world. You can walk out in Plano or in Dallas or I was in DeSoto last week. You can walk down the street in Africa and I guarantee you, you walk down the street, you look around, you go, something's not right here. Something is not right. There, something's broken in this world. It says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing. Why? Because they refused to love the truth. Why is there brokenness and why are people just devastating one another and people are perishing? Why? Because they refused 
to love the truth and so be saved. And a world that is so marked by distrust and so marked by confusion and distraction, Christians are called to be a people who love the truth, who love the truth and live the, the truth each and every day. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, so that you and I and the people that we love will not be tossed about by every wind of doctrine. So that when people just are, are throwing their truth all over the world and you're not sure what to think, so that you and the people you love will not be tossed around by every wind of doctrine, by trickery, by deceitfulness, by the schemes of men, we are to speak the truth in love. So that we don't get distracted and torn away by all of the ideas that are being thrown around on Facebook or on the news or, or by the opinions that everyone has about everything. And we're not getting swept into all of the distractions so that we won't find ourselves lost in a lost world. We are to what? Speak the truth in love. And he goes on to say, we are to lay aside all falsehoods, speaking the truth, each one of you with his neighbor. Loving the truth and speaking the truth is a powerful tool of kindness in this world. It is a powerful tool for us to, to not only anchor ourselves, but anchor those around us by speaking the truth. It's life-giving when we do this. This is why Proverbs 12, 19 says this. Truthful lips will be established forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. You hear this? Truthful lips will be established forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. I know you've seen how this works in your life. I know you have seen how this works in the world. How uh, perverted speech, how lies will be ruined. God will ruin them because they dishonor him. Or in other words, the truth will always come out. You've learned this, right? You've learned it maybe the hard way. Or you've watched as it slowly made its way out. People will believe in the lies and the schemes and the trickery and the tossed about by every wind of doctrine. But the truth always comes out. Why? Because the lies dishonor God and God will ruin dishonest words. And on the other hand, God loves the truth. God is, is marked by truth. And so he will protect, he will uphold, he will help true words to endure through all kinds of attack. That's why this proverb says this. True, truthful lips will be established forever, but a lying tongue, a lying tongue is only for a moment. So if you are a parent, I don't care if your kids are, are in diapers or they're learning how to walk or they're learning how to drive or they're, you know, learning to how to have kids and, and get their first jobs. I don't care what season of life that they're in. I know parents all have this same thought in mind. I just wish they would hear what I have to say because I love them so much. And if they don't, I'm going to kick them, right? But, but you go, I just, I just wish they could hear me. I just wish they could hear my heart. I wish they could hear what I have to say. I just I don't feel like they're listening. You ever feel like you're telling somebody the truth and they're just not listening to you? If you want to have words that will have a lasting impact, if you want to have words that will pour life into a person, be committed to speaking the truth to a person. Why? Because truthful lips will be established forever and a lying tongue is only for a moment. Be a person who's committed to words of integrity, words of honesty, words that are, are laced, not just laced, but are soaked in the truth. Because those words are the words the Lord will continue to work and bring about in a person's life. Now, I heard somebody say this one time and it stuck with me. It was, it was pretty powerful when I heard it. They said sometimes, maybe many times, we are just too unloving to tell the truth. 
You hear that phrase? Sometimes that we are, we are just too unloving to tell the truth. And what they meant is that there are plenty of times when we are conveniently too busy to tell the truth or conveniently we're just not in the mood to tell the truth when that truth is a hard or uncomfortable truth. Does that make sense? That when there's something that's to be said but we're uncomfortable in about and how to say it, how to go about it because maybe they won't receive it well or we feel like we've said it before or, or we just go, this is, this is a hard one, it's not going to go well, that we're conveniently unable to tell the truth at those times. And the point is that if we really care about something, really care about someone, if we really love them, then we will tell them even the hard truths. Listen to Proverbs 27.5. Better is an open rebuke than love that is concealed. I love the Proverbs. There's so much in just a few words. Listen to that. Better is an open rebuke than love is concealed. Faithful are the words of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. That means if you really do care about someone, if you really love someone, you will with humility, but with courage you will speak the truth to them why because you love them and you see something in their path that is laced with lies something in their path that is destructive to their life and you love them enough to jump in front of the tracks and to say look out it's coming right right better is open rebuke than love that's concealed now I realize that we live in this age it's kind of strange there's on one side of us there's a, a group of us or maybe one part of us that at times just wants to tell everybody everything that we think all the time. If you don't believe me, go online and look at how people are posting. And you just say, this is what I think and this is what everybody should think. And if you don't think like me, you're an idiot. But there's another side of us that realizes we live in this age of, of fear of being canceled all of the time. And so maybe in the same regard, there's a group of us who are going, like, I am, I'm reluctant to speak up when I see something that someone's doing that's just plain wrong or if there's an injustice that's happening in their life or in society around us, or if someone is, is not walking with the Lord, I'm reluctant to put myself in front of the tracks because I don't want to get run over by the train. It's an uncomfortable thing for me to, to put myself in front of there. But understand, one of the most unloving things that you can do is not tell the truth to someone who desperately needs to hear it. To not tell the truth to someone who desperately needs to hear, hey, you're walking a path of danger. What you're doing is just plain wrong. It's unjust. It's unkind. It's not, it's not God's will for you. Or to speak to someone who is not in Christ, someone who is far from God because they haven't met Christ for themselves. And to go to them and say, you need to meet Jesus. You need to know him and walk in his way so that you can be made fully alive. One of the most unloving things we can do. If we believe Ephesians 2, which says, I once was dead in my trespasses, but God made me alive in Christ. If we believe that is true, one of the most unloving things that we could do is say, this person is far from God, but I'm just going to let him stay dead. I'm just going to let him remain that way. Now, there's a group of us that maybe are reluctant to speak the truth, especially hard truths in times, because we don't want to get canceled or we don't want to, to incur the wrath of it not being received well. But I also know there's another group of us who love to tell the truth. And we love especially to tell the truth when we know someone's doing wrong, right? Because we're really good at it. We're good at sniffing out all the wrong things other people do. We're very, very quick to, to point it out and to tell them you are not doing the right thing. And I know the right thing. And so let me tell you. And this is where one of the places where I feel the most conviction as a parent is 
recognizing when my kid is not doing right or could be doing a little better and being so quick to point out to them where they could do just 10% better than they're doing right now. I feel deeply convicted. That's one of the reasons I came to this proverb today. And so if that is true of you and true of me, then the, the second commitment we have to make to be people who speak only life into the world in all of our days is we have to not only speak the truth to people, but we have to speak with grace to people. We have to be devoted to 16,000 words a day speaking grace with people. And the word grace here doesn't mean like with poise or with elegance that we have nicely flowed together words that we've carefully crafted that they would just sound delightful and tickle the ear. Listen to, to Proverbs 15.4. It says a soothing tongue. And your translation may say a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. The Hebrew word for soothing or gentle here literally means healing tongue. A healing tongue is a tree of life. The perversion in it crushes the spirit. This says that all of our words should have the aim of bringing healing to another person. When we speak to a friend or a co-worker or a neighbor or a boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse or one of our children, our intent, our motive, our aim should be to be speaking healing into the world where there is so much brokenness to be speaking healing into their lives. And this proverb, if it's to be believed, says the opposite of speaking healing, that there's one of two choices. The opposite of it is crushing the spirit. That you either speak in a way that brings healing or you speak in a way that crushes or breaks the spirit. And I've learned this practically, you probably have too, that there are moments and times when you intend to speak the truth to a loved one and your words, when they fall on their ears, they don't bring healing, but your words bring a crushing to the spirit. And most often, if I'm very honest about my experience, most often it's because when I really evaluate, I didn't have healing as my aim. I didn't have healing as my motive. Listen to Ephesians 4. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. None. But only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give, somebody say it, grace to the hearer. That every one of your words should be marked by grace. Listen to Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be with somebody. Again, that's better. As though seasoned with salt. Do you want to be a person who speaks life into the world? Wouldn't that be great? That would be, be the way people would know you. Gosh, when that person, when they come in the room, when they speak, oh, I just love to hear them talk. They, they just bring such, such life, such life into my, I was having a bad day and Kevin walked in and he opened his mouth and oh, it's like, it's like something, something restored up to my soul. Wouldn't that be great if you were known for being someone like that in the world, in your family, well, we have to be a people who are committed to it. You have to do it on purpose. You have to commit that my words will have their intent. They will have, they will have at their aim, at their center. I desire to bring healing into every sphere of influence I have. And one of the ways we do this in our home, we're not perfect at it, but we're always working at it. We ask this question, and it happens a lot in the middle of, of the chaos and, and the craziness of life. We'll say, does that help or does that hurt? 
Simple question, right? We'll say it while someone's speaking. I'm sorry, hang on. Is that helping or is that hurting? And I think Lindsay probably started this because all of the smart things in our family come from her. Is, is what you're saying, is it helping or is it hurting? And it's something that I've come to practice and apply, not perfectly, but I, I try to practice and apply this in my conversations with my wife, with my children, in my, the way I speak to you, whether it's from the stage or in the office or in any other place that, that I come across you, that I'm, I'm considering, are my words helping or my words hurting? And that's not about being uh, inauthentic with my words. Oh, I've got to be calculating and give them just the perfect speech. No, it's not about that. It's about the intent and the motive and the desire of my words. Am I desiring to speak to you in a way that would crush you or in a way that would bring healing to your life and to the things that hurt in your life? The, the reality is if I'm not coming to you with healing as my aim, then my words are probably hurting. Even if they're truthful, they're probably hurting. And then the problem is I need to change. Even if you're in the wrong, if my words are coming and hurting, I need to change. It's me that needs to change. And so being a person who speaks life-giving words requires turning your brain on. <laughs> we can't be thoughtless and mindless when we speak if we intend to be people who speak life with our words. Here's another beautiful proverb. This one, I know exactly where it is written on an index card and, and taped up above a door frame in my house. Proverbs 12, 18 says, there is one who speaks rashly. Maybe your, your translation says recklessly. There's one who speaks rashly like thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We have to consider the motive behind our words. Not just the words that we say, but we have to consider what am I trying to do with these words? And too many of us, we're thoughtless, reckless, we're rash with our words. We don't even intend, we don't have a clearly defined intention. We're just spewing words. And this says rash and reckless words are like the thrusts of a sword into someone. And yet, on the other hand, the tongue of the wise brings healing. That's how that we can be a people who are always seasoning our words with grace like salt. So, if we're a people committed to speaking truth, the truth, and a people who are committed to speaking with grace to people, with grace to people, there's an even deeper, an even deeper commitment we must make. This is the most vital of the commitments. Speak truth, speak grace, but we've got to check our hearts. If we're going to be a people who are committed to speaking life into the world, the most vital thing that we can do is check our hearts. And the reason is because the ultimate decider about what you're going to say, what will come out of your mouth today and tomorrow when you leave this place, the words that will come out, whether they will be death or life, whether they will be thrusts of a sword or a healing balm in someone's life, is what's in your heart. Do you know who said that? It's Jesus. It's Jesus in Luke 6.45. Jesus says, The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. I came across something and I've realized how, how true this has been in my life and in my experience. I keep running up against this same wall in my life and my experience over and over again. And I think you'll see that it's true how a critical heart brings forth a critical tongue. 
and how a self-righteous heart produces a judgmental tongue and how a bitter and broken heart produces a sarcastic and mocking tongue and how an ungrateful heart produces a complaining tongue. Have you seen this in your own life? When you begin to evaluate your words and look at, at the conversations you've had with people and you begin to evaluate the words that have come out of your mouth, if you find that there are more critical and judgmental and, and bitter words, sarcasm, marking your tone all of the time, complaining and grumbling all of the time, it is a mirror into what's going on inside of your life. These things don't just happen. They come out from somewhere. That's what Jesus said. And he was right. We should take him at his word. They're a mirror to reflect what's in our hearts. But on the other hand, have you found this? That a faithful heart produces a truthful tongue. And a loving heart produces a gracious or a graceful tongue. And a peaceful heart produces a reconciling tongue. Have you found that? And a trusting heart, one which trusts deeply in God's goodness and his provision and in his presence with his people, a trusting heart provides a or produces a, a, an encouraging tongue. Have you seen that to be true in your life? It's because what Jesus said is right. That which fills a person's heart overflows from their mouths. We speak out of that which fills our heart. And, and the fact is, we can't just control our words. We can't just take hold of them and, and be a people who are always speaking with grace and always speaking with truth and always just full of wisdom all of the time in the right moments, in the right situations with the people always. Why? Because we're human. We're imperfect. We, we, we can't do that. That's why we can't simply just change the way we speak. We've got to go much deeper. We've got to find that the issue within us is much deeper than that. The issue is that we need hearts that are transformed. We need new life in our hearts. We need the love of Christ controlling our hearts. And this is something that only comes from Christ. So I want you to hear a promise from God to the people of Israel that was true for them in a situation then, but true ultimately for all of us in Christ. This is in Ezekiel 11. Ezekiel 11, God promised, I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and I will give them a heart of flesh so that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. Then they will be my people and I shall be their God. Do you see how that's what God does for us in Christ? And it's marked in the knowing, in the reality. It's marked in the assurance that we are saved by the presence of the Holy Spirit within us who enables us then to walk in faithfulness and to do what he says, to walk in his statutes and keep his ordinances and do them. He's the one who helps us to know that we are his people and he is our God. This is something that happens for us in Christ and by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Something that comes from him. It's not something that we can just do. It's something that is done in us and done through us. Yes, you should work on your words and I should work on my words. Something we'll always be doing. But at the same time, we must recognize that we can't do what we don't have. We can't produce what's not already been produced in us. We can't give words of life if we haven't already been given life by the only one who came, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And what does that mean? That means, well, if you're not a Christian, you really can't speak words of life into someone because you can't speak out of that which you don't have. If you're not a Christian, you've got to turn to Christ and say, I come to the end of me. Would you, would you make me fully alive? Would you give me that, that abundant life that I can only find 
in you. Or as Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he said, I've been crucified. I no longer live, but now Christ lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you're not a Christian, you can't speak words of life until you've received life. And then he begins to pour life from you. But for every one of us, it's a call for us to pay attention to the advice of Solomon. In another proverb, in Proverbs 4, he says, watch over your heart with all diligence. Pay attention to what's going on inside of here, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth. Again, do you see the connection between the mouth and the heart here? Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all of your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Ultimately, I think the bottom line is our goal is we need to learn to speak like Jesus. Jesus will pour life into our hearts and we begin to learn to, to, learn to speak like Jesus. One of my Favorite, favorite descriptions of Jesus is in John 46. It's, it's just one little line that you probably have read and passed over. And maybe it didn't hit you at the moment, but, but if you come back to it, it does. Chief priests and Pharisees, leaders of the Jews, had sent some officers to go and arrest Jesus, to take him by force and to haul him in. And these officers go out to arrest Jesus and they encounter Jesus and they come back to the chief priests and the scribes or the, the Pharisees and they're empty-handed. And the chief priests are upset. They're like, why did you come back empty-handed? Where is Jesus? We sent you to get him. Here's what they said. One line. They said, never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. You see that? People were, people were sent to do harm. They were sent to shut Jesus up. They were sent to haul him in. They were sent to try to interrupt the plans of God. They were sent to do that by broken, wicked men. But they ultimately were sent to do that by even deeper forces than that. Our spiritual enemy, Satan himself, sent them to, to interrupt the message and the, the ministry of Jesus Christ. And these guys go to get him. And they hear him speak. And they say, never has a man spoken in the way that this man speaks and it stopped them in their tracks it stunned them and they came back empty-handed it stopped the the malintent because Jesus spoke and when Jesus speaks there were words of life there were powerful words and we don't know exactly what words they heard when Jesus spoke that's not here but we know exactly the character of the words that Jesus spoke because John 1 17 says and the word who is Jesus the word was full of what grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. So do you know what happened there? The overflow of Jesus' heart, his mouth spoke. Just like in, in Luke 6.45, that which filled Jesus came out from his mouth. So his words were so full of life as they were marked by the truth and marked by ultimate grace that it stunned the officers. It kept them silent. It stopped their plans to, to interrupt his ministry and it took them back empty-handed to those who wished to do Jesus and his people harm. If you want to be a person who speaks life into the world, into your marriage, into your friendships, into your family, into your children's lives, even into those who you would consider your enemies, if you want to be a person who speaks life into the world. We have to learn to speak like Jesus from hearts that have been turned over, hearts that have been restored, transformed by Jesus, that are controlled by the love of Christ and overflow with grace and with the truth. Understand 
Every human is an image bearer. All people were made in the image of God. So every person, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21 didn't say only educated people's words are laced with death and life. Or only mature people. Or only skilled people. Or only young or only old people. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It says all people, death and life are in the power of your tongue. Image bearers. But for the Christian, for the Christian, Proverbs 10.11 says, the mouth of the righteous is the fountain of life. <laughs> for the Christian, because your heart has been transformed, you've been given a heart of flesh to replace the heart of stone, it's a fountain of life that should come forth from you. We've got to be a people who are committed, who are fully devoted, 16,000 words a day. <laughs> that we're submitting all of our words to Christ. That we would be a people who are pouring out life on our families, on our neighbors, on our co-workers and into the world. Something desperately needed in the brokenness of this world. A people who say, we will speak life. We will not speak death. We will speak life into this world. It's the call and the challenge of the text for us today. I want to pray for us, but I want to invite you into this prayer. I want to put it on the screen. Don't bow your heads or close your eyes for this one. If you put this prayer up, I'm going to read the whole prayer and then we're going to take a few moments together and I've broken it into three parts and I'd like to give you some time to personalize it along with me. The first part we'll pray is, Lord, I confess I've wounded others with my words. And we'll take a moment to ask the Lord to help us to see maybe we didn't realize where we hurt somebody, where we wounded them with our words. And we'll take a moment to ask the Holy Spirit to help us to see where have I brought harm, where have I brought a taste of death with my words this week. Second part is my words indicate I have a very sick heart. Because words come from somewhere, right? They come from what's going on inside of us. And so we'll take a moment and say, Lord, would you show me the places where I need your healing touch? Where, where death keeps wrestling with life in me. Would you, would you overwhelm death with life inside of me? And I'll give you a moment to consider exactly where that's needed in your life. And then God, help me to rest in your love for me. And may my words become life-giving words. Help me to speak truthfully and graciously just as you have spoken with me. And I'll give you a moment to think about specific people and situations that you're in the middle of right now or, or coming this week in which you really desperately need his help to speak words of life. Finally, God, would you help us to rest in your love and not turn something like a challenge with our words to become another one of those things that we do in order to try to earn approval or prove ourselves faithful, but rather would you help us to rest in your love, to be consumed and, and, and overwhelmed by your grace and the life that you give, that the words that we use wouldn't be something we just try to muster up good vibes for, but truthfully they would be the overflow of a heart that's been given life, the mouth do speak. Take a moment and ask the Lord's help in a specific situation you may be facing. That by his power and grace, you would be a person who speaks life. Lord, all these things we bring to you because in you 
there is life. In you, there is peace. In you, there is joy. And so we pray, knowing you want life and life abundant for us and you wish to bring life through us to our hearers. We pray that you would work a miracle, that you would take mere, mere humans who are so complex and so full of different emotions and thoughts driving us at all times, that you would take us and you would use even us to bring life into our families, to our children, to our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, even our enemies. Would you take us, just us, would you take us and would you bring life for your glory? for the good of your kingdom. In Jesus' name.